everyone. My name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Mike Sold, the Director of Hockey Operations and Analytics with the Kitchener Rangers. I've spoken with Mike multiple times in the past and have always been impressed with his calm demeanor and candidness when talking about hockey and analytics in the game. With a role in management and a hand on the analysis side, he brings a key dual perspective which I think listeners will be drawn towards. With that, I am happy to present Mike Salt, the Director of Hockey Operations and Analytics for the Kitchener Rangers. Today we're joined by Mike Zolt, the Director of Hockey Operations and Analytics for the Kitchener Rangers of the OHL. Mike, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. I uh, appreciate being invited. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we kind of talked about before, uh, you're one of the first people involved in analytics, um, you know, at this level that I think I'm sure people are going to be really interested in hearing your perspective. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, Tell us about yourself, maybe touch on where you're from and your involvement in sports throughout your youth. For sure. Um, so I grew up in Toronto. Um, you know, I played hockey my whole life growing up. Uh, for me, that was the GTHL, which is a minor hockey league in Toronto for anyone who doesn't know. Um, you know, I never played junior or anything. Uh, so never too high a level. Um, I did play a couple other sports growing up as well. Um, made it the furthest playing uh, rugby actually. So I played, uh, for a couple age grade representative teams and also at Western University while I was there for school. That's great. And, you know, you, you kind of touched on uh, your time there at Western. I kind of want to get into that as well, uh, you know, being a little bit of a different school than some of the past guests. Uh, so you attended the University of Western Ontario and you touched on uh, before the Ivy business program that you're in. How was your time there and touch on how it prepared you to work in sports, uh, you know, further down the road? For sure. So, I mean, I had an awesome experience at Western and at Ivy. It's uh, so um, for those who don't know, so Ivy is a two year program. It's you do the first two years of undergrad and then the, your third and fourth year, you go into the Ivy business program where, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a pressure cooker, I think, where it's, uh, you know, you're with the same 70 people five hours a day for the whole first year. And then the second year of the program, it's, it, uh, uh, it becomes a bit more uh, intermingled with the rest of the, the program. But uh, yeah, and they use a case-based uh, method. So, you know, in teaching business, they, they really touch on organizations of all types, whether that's uh, nonprofit, government, even some sports, though, you know, they don't have a particular focus on sports. Um, and uh, I loved it. Like, I thought it was an awesome learning style where, you know, it's really about, each class is a case. So you're given like a 10 page uh, summary of a situation that an that a organization is in. And you have to basically prepare in advance and then come ready to, to discuss it in class. So it's really focused on uh, debating ideas and, and coming up with good recommendations. Yeah, it sounds like a good program. And, you know, definitely having that, that business background could definitely help, uh, you know, working in hockey and in operations as you, you do today. Uh, before we get into your hockey experience, I want to touch on the opportunity you had with the MLSE Foundation. 
Uh, maybe just talk about your role there and getting involved with sports on that side of things. For sure. So um, that was a volunteer role that I had uh, back when I was in the business world. I guess I worked five years full time after graduating. Um, and so like what I did for MLSC Foundation was uh, um, help to set up uh, a young professionals fundraising board. So we had 15 or 20 uh, people where we uh, put in a lot of our spare time to run events and try to raise money uh, for the organization. Um, I guess I should say, so for those who don't know, MLSC Foundation is a charity focused on helping uh, less privileged youth get access uh, to sports um, to help them build confidence uh, and, you know, general life skills and be well prepared uh, for, for growing up. Um, and, uh, no, it was definitely a charity that resonated with me um, for what I learned in my own life, uh, having been an athlete. Um, and it's, it's pretty similar as well to another charity I'd helped out with called Right to Play. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, I was really proud of uh, the amount we were able to raise uh, with that uh, Young Professionals Board. And uh, I think they're, they're still going today and, the, and they've raised a lot more since, I'm pretty sure. But I, I had to take a step back there when I shifted over to uh, uh, working in Kitchener. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I was interested in hearing about your perspective on that. Uh, a lot of people touch back on these different roles, whether it be working in grassroots sports or, as you said, like kind of working with uh, people who don't always have the opportunity to play sports or, or whatever the case may be. It's always interesting to hear, uh, you know, how people gravitate towards that and kind of shift their focus on, you know, like, you know, most people are always wanting to go to the next level, but sometimes you can look back and, and kind of see the opportunity you had to that point and, and then help others maybe gain that same opportunity. And who knows, maybe some people down the road uh, become successful because of the efforts. And I, I think it's always great to be a part of those kind of uh, foundations and that uh, line of work. So before working with Kitchener, you also spent some time as an analytics consultant working for a few different hockey teams. Uh, talk about how you learned analytics, you know, into that point, and then uh, how you found yourself in a position to work with these teams while also speaking to the process of finding consulting opportunities. For sure. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to, a lot to unpack there. Um, <clears throat> but so for my own kind of career path, uh, like uh, I worked in the business world for five years and I think when I, as I was doing so, um, I learned a lot of skills, I guess, that I still apply day to day now, um, you know, in terms of uh, using, uh, using data uh, to understand something uh, distill it down to like a specific recommendation and then finding a, a way to communicate that succinctly um, to, a, to a decision maker. Um, and so while I was working in the professional world, I, uh, I, I sort of noticed the rise of hockey analytics and got really excited about it and uh, read everything I could find and eventually decided to start my own blog. Um, so that was original6analytics.com, uh, which is still out there. I stopped writing for it a while back, but uh, if anyone's ever interested. Um, and so that was the main way that I sort of learned more uh, by just jumping in head first and, and trying to do some analysis and, and see what I could do. And that helped segue into those consulting opportunities that you mentioned. So, you know, I had a couple uh, one-off projects, I would say one for uh, the, 
two that were that are still confidential. One was for an OHL team, one was for an NHL team, where basically they they saw the blog and said, Oh, that's interesting. Like, could you create that for us? And uh so those were great experiences um that I learned from uh and really enjoyed. And then but I would say the main, like the most meaningful consulting experience that I had was in 2016, 17 with uh Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Um so there I was I was external to the team, but uh, the way I approached it was I wasn't going to, I was going to be exclusive. Like I, I wasn't going to do work for other OHL teams at the same time. And uh, I learned a ton there. Um, you know, I, I worked mostly with uh, uh, Kyle Raftis, who's the GM. Um, and, uh, you know, that really was a, a first experience, I think, that helped me build some confidence uh, in hockey analytics. And then, yeah, that helped uh, segue into uh, my role in Kitchener as well. Yeah, and I, I was very interested in hearing those opportunities. You know, uh, there's always different areas where you can kind of find work and uh, you touch on the blog and then finding opportunities from that. It kind of just goes to show that when you put yourself out there and, and uh, you know, through that blog, you were kind of showcasing your thoughts and ideas and, and the way you process the game, it can obviously turn into opportunities. And um, that role to St. Marie, you know, really gaining a little bit uh, more of a, a steady pace of, of work there and, and kind of getting to showcase what you can do uh, in a team setting and also getting the experience of working with others. I think it obviously uh, paid dividends down the road and um, it's a process that a lot of people in analytics are probably interested in, in following to a, to a similar degree. So in 2017, you took the role of director of analytics with the Kitchener Rangers. How did you come into this position and how was it working in analytics, uh, you know, full time like that uh, in the first season? Uh, for sure. So um, I, I came into the position, uh, so my wife's from Kitchener, um, so I kind of had uh, a local connection to the city, uh, which uh, was a big reason that I was really enthusiastic about any potential opportunity with a team. Um, and so it was after the one year of working with the Sioux where, honestly, I had a great experience and I, I, was, I was enthusiastic to keep going uh, with them. but. Uh, you know, I reached out to Mike McKenzie shortly, I think it was spring 2017, after he had uh, become, been promoted to GM, um, just introduced myself and, you know, he, uh, he sent a friendly email back, but said, oh, you know, we don't have any needs right now. Thanks for reaching out. Um, and then a few months later, um, their video coach, uh, Will Sibley, uh, moved on and got an opportunity with the Toronto Marlies. And so, um, and then Mike made the decision to split the role of video and analytics into two separate areas. So Kane TC, uh, the, our goalie coach in Kitchener, he took on the video responsibilities. And I was, uh, like I was kind of in a new role, which was the first time we'd had a person just focused on analytics. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, in the first year, I think it was a lot of uh, uh, getting, I knew a bit about the league, obviously, but getting acclimated to uh my colleagues, the coaching staff, uh, players, et cetera. Um, you know, it was an exciting year, 2017-18. Uh, we had a pretty strong team and uh, actually ended up playing against Sault Ste. Marie in the conference finals. So pretty unique experience uh, for me personally. But, uh, yeah, no, it's um, I, my role in, in terms of our analytics has evolved a lot since then, though, because it was uh, uh, a lot – at the beginning, it was very focused on um, – just like introducing new ideas and, and 
uh, helping, uh, you know, integrate that type of thinking in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, others in analytics that I've spoken with and, and being in that position uh, myself, you know, sometimes at the beginning, it's all about just getting everybody on board with that thinking and, and seeing what works. Cause obviously you go through, and I'm sure you can touch on this, you go through a number of different projects and, and ideas and maybe some things don't work and then other things uh, obviously need to be upgraded. So there's, it's just a learning process a lot of times in that first year. And, and uh, you know, it's always great to have people around you that are interested in, and, and focused on supporting you in that role, which it sounds like you had in Kitchener, uh, especially when the role was split and kind of responsibility was given to you. Uh, so that support is definitely great. And uh, it's great to hear that you had uh, some success uh, both on and off the ice there in your first year in Kitchener. Uh, in 2019, you would then gain the title of Director of Hockey Operations in addition to your analytics role. Uh, speak to that promotion, the added responsibility, and the opportunity to hold a prominent role with an established uh, CHL team. For sure. I mean, I feel like you're uh, overselling it a bit there. <laughs> but uh, no, um, so yeah, I, I guess over the next year will be my fourth season with the team. So over the past three, I guess I um took on like i would say that the title change overstates it that it kind of things slowly happened over time as opposed to like all at once uh type of thing but um yeah i, I took on a bit more responsibility in areas like uh, scouting you know player recruiting uh doing research for the drafts uh, a bit of player development um and uh, and then like logistical aspects of hockey operations as well um, and, uh, you know, but to be honest, to be able to do that, um, I think a lot of it is because of, uh, like having a really great, uh, group of people helping out on our analytics work, uh, which allows them to run with things and, uh, me, me to still be involved. But, uh, um, so I feel really fortunate to have other people involved that we do. Um, you know, and so these are like a small group basically who have reached out over the years, you know, I think uh, in, in ways that you're, you've talked about a bunch online in the past, uh, like uh, cold calling and just expressing an interest to help. And so I definitely want to give credit to people like Alex Robson, Jonathan Horrocks, Connor Shannon, uh, and there's definitely others. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been awesome to watch them grow and, and develop and take on more responsibility as well. Um, and it's important to me to help them achieve their career goals. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they've all played a really big role in, um, I guess helping evolve our analytics work over the past three years to, uh, no, I won't be too specific, but like, I would say we've built out, uh, I'm proud of the data infrastructure we built out. So, you know, finding ways to automate <clears throat> as much as possible of the metrics that are important to us as a team and that we use and, uh, you know, implementing different, uh, programming languages and, and things like that um, to be to be able to be as efficient as possible with having information at our fingertips and bringing it to uh, uh, to Mike or the other coaches or scouts or, or whoever. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and uh, you know, I, I think maybe early on we had talked about analytics and stuff, and it's good to see that others have, have reached out and been successful about it. And, um, you know, you touched on – the added role uh, in that hockey operations position, whether it be logistics or or uh, scouting or player development and, and all these different roles. I think it kind of just goes back to the fact that 
um, you know, at this level and MA levels like it, you really just have to do everything that you can. And, and without that commitment to kind of getting your hands dirty in all areas, uh, you ultimately won't be successful. And, and then at the same time, you touched on those people that work around you, having that support again, comes back to that idea that, um, you know, uh, as Alex Guinea said, uh, uh, multiple hands make a heavy load light or, or something along the lines of that. But it, uh, it just goes to show once again that it, it takes community to be successful uh, both on and off the ice. And it's great to hear that that has been the case in your position. Uh, so looking at your position today, um, you know, without being too specific, maybe walk us through a week, uh, say mid-season or at your busiest point and some of the, the tasks maybe uh, that would be associated with that time period. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a good distinction as well when like in terms of mid-season versus off-season um, because, uh, I mean, putting aside everything going on in the world right now, like the off season is generally a little quieter. Um, and I would say as well, that uh, this time of year, I'd say I probably have like a 70%, 30% split in terms of analytics versus hockey operations that, uh, in the summer I can spend a lot more time on, you know, research, bigger projects that like take a lot longer to complete or, you know, things like that, learning new, uh, learning new skills. Um, on the, in the mid-season standpoint, um, you know, I'd say it flips probably, that hockey, hockey operations becomes uh, the main focus and there's a lot more going on and there's a lot uh, uh, just constantly things on the go. So whether that's uh, attending a lot of games, you know, keeping things organized, like watching tons of video, um, helping apply analytics to whatever situation is relevant at the time. Um, so like, I, uh, I feel like that touches on some of it, maybe not too structured of a way, but uh, you know, one thing, I, one thing I would say too, in, in the off season is, and I think this is true for a lot of people in junior hockey is that like, I still have a part-time job outside of sports. And so in the off season um, that helps me, uh, or I'm able to spend a little more time there to, uh, supplement income you could say yeah yeah and i again i think that's another great point to make uh, you know as glamorous as as these positions uh, may seem you know sometimes uh uh you know you, you gotta have that little bit extra uh you know work or whatever to make ends meet but um you know if you're if you're committed to it and and you're willing to put in the work and then also uh, you know your time management skills are great enough that you can uh work those extra positions, uh, you know, it's very beneficial to do that and it helps everybody in the long run and, and you can, you know, really enjoy your time working in hockey and then hopefully uh, moving down the road as, as people move up the ladder, it can, it can become more full-time and, uh, you know, their main career. Uh, so throughout the past few seasons uh, at all levels, we have seen analytics and their impact grow, uh, including that at the OHL level. Uh, maybe just from your perspective, touch on the growth that you've seen in your time in the OHL and how much more do you think it will grow in terms of its use and impact? Uh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's been awesome to see that growth. Um, I think uh, you know, people, like you're, you're a perfect example uh, of, uh, I was really excited when you got the opportunity. I think you've been there a year now in Sarnia, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's lots of others uh, who are on the more recent hires. Like I think Gus in Owen Sound, uh, uh, Evan Crickler is someone who used to help out in Kitchener. Now he's uh, uh, 
joined Kingston. So um, yeah, it's exciting to see the growth. I think it's great for people involved in analytics and, and uh, for the game, just that, uh, you know, people are trying to innovate and, and push things for, forward in terms of uh, always finding a new edge and a way to uh, give your own team an advantage. Um, like it's, uh, it's funny that even the word analytics is something that I uh, reflect on a lot that it's, it, there's a lot of marketing, I guess, or, or, or buzzword uh, aspects to the word analytics. Like I, I think some teams have been, have been uh, applying, you know, structured thinking and, and research and problem solving to their decisions for a lot more than the past few years, um, you know, at, at all levels. But, uh, and, and I, I definitely think there's an aspect of analytics, which means, you know, advanced statistical models. But uh, I think in terms of uh, what it means, I, I almost don't even like the word. I, I try to just say like more information, right? Because just like points per game is a stat, you know, anything else that you track or describe, uh, everything is more information. And, and I think almost every team is starting to think from the lens that, uh, why wouldn't you want more uh, to, and then each team I think has their own way of deciding how much weight to put on every piece of information they have, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, you touched on that, that weight aspect. Uh, you know, some teams are very heavily invested and you see that at the NHL level and, and some teams are kind of just, uh, you know, just dipping their foot into it. But, uh, that you know, when you, when you work in unity and you kind of have all areas um, working together and have some analytics involved in your coaching and all these different aspects, I think it's, it's very important. Um, on the terms of analytics use and unity, uh, speak to the importance from your side of players accepting analytics and your experience working with players at the OHL level and their response in these situations. Yeah, for sure. I, like I think uh, players these days uh, or this the upcoming generation, um, they're definitely very interested uh, from my experience um, and they're like literate doesn't seem like the right word, but like uh, charts and graphs are not foreign to them. Like I think they, they pick them up pretty quickly. Um, and so, uh, you know, I mean, I think there's uh, my own philosophy is that there's uh, there, there is such a thing as too much information. You know, it's not always the right time uh, to show a player some sort of uh, metric that we have um, or how, how they're doing on something. Um, but we, it's something we try to put a lot of thought into and do a lot of homework and, and spend a lot of time processing information before deciding, okay, like this specific thing might actually help this player in his development <clears throat> right now. And then so we go make a point of trying to share it with them. Um, but uh, I mean, I think it, um, so it's like, I'm, I think it's great that players find it interesting and I think it'll probably help set them up for when they get to higher levels. Um, and uh, a big thing I'm, I always reflect on or that's top of mind when, um, you know, sharing stats with anyone, whether it's a player or a coach, but is, is, uh, is it actionable? Like, is this data something that we can actually go do something different because of it? Or is it just describing something that already happened? Um, and uh, as an example, like for a skater, um, you know, if say, you know, some teams use on ice metrics. So like players on the ice, what are they generating while they're, what's the team generating while they're on the ice and what are, what's the team giving up against? And uh, 
you know, to say to a player, oh, hey, look, last game you really got shelled out there. Like, it's not that helpful. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I, it's uh, something that I try to put a lot of thought into is like, how can this, if I'm going to share something with a player, how specifically can it help them improve? Yeah, and that's, a, again, another great point in, in working with players on that level. Uh, Alex Guinea kind of made the, another comment, something along the lines of, you know, players love analytics when it's good and, and they hate it when it's bad. So, uh, you know, like, like you said, just giving that information that's really going to be beneficial and something that they can actually turn into an action or, or a change in their game as opposed to just throwing numbers at them that at the end of the day, uh, you know, doesn't actually – change the way they look at the game or the way that they, they play the game. So I, I think that's really important to, to uh, you know, kind of uh, touch on that point and really highlight the fact that you have to uh, present it in a proper way. And because no matter how good the numbers are or how well thought out the analytics are, if, if you can't turn it into an action at the end of the day, they're just numbers. Um, so I know I kind of rambled on this a little bit and uh, – Maybe you've touched on it a little bit as well, but just going a little more in depth. Um, you know, I've spoken with people at the NHL level who speak to the importance of fusing departments together in unity. Uh, you talk about how Mike split up the analytics and, and the video coaching where it used to be one. Uh, without being too specific, how important do you think it is to have analytics working in unity with these areas such as coaching and, and player development? Um, yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, and uh, I think it's uh, huge, like it's extremely important. Um, you know, like I, I think uh, organizations of any kind can be, can be pretty good if they're, you know, in silos where they're split up and people kind of all work independently. But I think uh, in, in general, and also when it comes to applying analytics that the more closely integrated, uh, you know, the, integrating numbers and the quantitative side of things is to all the other functions that a, that a team has, um, the higher the impact it's going to have, um, you know, as maybe a, a kind of general example, but if it's uh, scouting uh, or, or thinking about the draft and, you know, the, the people watching the players say, like think one thing and, and number crunchers think another, um, you know, I think 80 plus percent of the time, every, everything is consistent, right? Like people see uh, the stat side and scouting side see players the same way. Um, but I think when there are disagreements is actually where there's the most value coming from it because it, um, I don't even think that the right way to think of it is that one side would win, you know, quote, unquote. I think it's about um, going one level deeper in those situations and trying to understand why, why is there that disagreement and are there certain things we're missing um, or can we, can we get more information of any kind? Should we, should we scout more games? Uh, should we uh, double check our numbers? You know, whatever. So I think, uh, and another part of that is um, like, I would say the speed of, of turnarounds, like from the stat standpoint and, I'm sure you're familiar with this in, in your work, Ryan, but, uh, you know, if, if a coach or, or someone asks you a question and you can bring them an answer, you know, in an hour, uh, it, it, it opens the door for more questions and, and more insight and going deeper and deeper, which, uh, you know, it's not always easy or feasible depending on, on the situation, but, um, you know, it's the, 
it could be a big difference over a long period of time compared to uh, taking a week, right? And, you know, it's not always just, it's, that's not always just like working hard. You know, there's lots of ways to try to be prepared in advance of uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, you know, with, with the fact that, you know, having dialects quickly and, and generating those conversations, you know, like you said, the critical thinking really comes out in those points where the disagreements happen. And, uh, you know, I've talked with some scouts and they kind of always touch on the fact that, you don't want everybody just saying, oh, yeah, this player's good, this player's good. You know, you get that, that almost uniform group think where, where the best ideas maybe won't come out and you kind of miss things. So you want the people that are, you know, always playing devil's advocate and, and, and throwing ideas against what the general opinion is just to uh, radiate that uh, critical thinking like I touched on. And uh, at the same time, you know, you, you talk about the unity and, and uh, whether it be, you know, scouting or, or coaching or whatever the case may be, it kind of shows that, it might also be beneficial to have these experience in different things. You know, it could have even been your time with MLSC foundation and just seeing, you know, the, the industry in a different perspective and, you know, coaches or, or people scouting, just having those experiences in different roles and kind of see where that person's coming from and, and being able to, you know, present their ideas to someone who thinks maybe through a different light. And uh, I think that's definitely a, a primary task of someone in analytics to kind of, uh, you know, we, we tend to, ready towards the numbers and, and like numbers and uh, you know maybe not primarily like always numbers you know we, we scouting and in all these different areas but um, you know just being able to present it in a way that others will understand uh, through their perspective is definitely something that's very beneficial and I think you see the people at the highest level who are successful in analytics uh, definitely have that that caliber trait and uh, are able to do that uh, consistently. Um, as we touched on earlier, you know, learning analytics was, was big for your development in hockey, and it obviously helped you to your position today, um, especially in a time like this where people are, are craving that content and, and looking to learn more. Uh, what are some of your favorite resources, whether they be books, videos, Twitter accounts, et cetera, that you look to or have looked to in the past for a reference in that field? Uh, for sure. Um, so for analytics specifically, um, no, like I think if someone's uh, just starting out uh, with an interest in it and, and you know they're more of a blank slate, then I definitely would recommend they start, you know, quote unquote at the beginning, like uh, you know hockey abstract or stat shot. Like Rob Volman's books are a really great starting point because they cover so much uh, ground and they're really practical and, and not, you know, like. Uh, Hockey graphs is another great resource as an example, but um, you know they're kind of the, the the tip of the spear, I think. So it's like if you don't have much of the background about why they're looking at the particular thing that they are, or um, trying to study things in a certain way, then uh, it's not always uh, obvious, like what's why the hockey graphs work can be so innovative. Um, I mean, some other good online resources, Meta Hockey. I would recommend, which is just a repository of everything, not everything, all, many, many of the most important analytics uh, things that have been put out, uh, you can find there. And I'd also recommend uh, NHL uh, numbers. Like, I guess, you know, I learned a lot from, you know, 2014, 15, 16 timeframe reading the stuff that was put out then. Uh, and, you know, a lot of those people don't write anymore. And, you know, some of them work for, for different teams, but uh, I think getting to see how those people dissected a problem or, or 
looked at the game and then how things have evolved since then, I've, I found really valuable. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people always touch on the fact that you learn so many things uh, through just learning from different people and, and learning their perspectives. And a lot of times those people can be mentors. Uh, who are some mentors who help you succeed and advance to your current position in hockey? For sure. Um, so I wouldn't say I have like formal mentorship relationships per se, but there's definitely people who have uh, uh, played a big role and who I've learned a lot from and have helped me along the way. Um, you know, there's probably no one listening who will know these two people, but like some former bosses in the business world, the guy named Mark Satov and the guy named Mike Murray, uh, were both uh, played a big role in my, my career and you know development. Um, and then in terms of hockey, I, I think I would, I would highlight the two people who've given me the most opportunity and, and put the most faith in me. So, uh, like Mike McKenzie and, and Kyle Raftis, um, you know, I, I learned a lot in my experience with the Sioux and, uh, I'm really appreciative to Kyle because he gave me that first chance. And then, you know, uh, Mike McKenzie has been an awesome person to work with, um, you know, he's got a, a great hockey mind um, and uh, in terms of management and coaching um, and, uh, you know, anything, you know, to, to start, for me to start taking on responsibility in areas like scouting or just, you know, player evaluation uh, away from numbers, you know, I've learned a lot from, from him and others uh, in our organization in terms of really breaking the game down and, and seeing different nuance of it. So, I definitely give a lot of credit to uh, those four, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, we know some of those names and some of them we may not know, but uh, it's great to hear that they, they were there for you and, and kind of uh, whether formally or informally uh, helped you along the way. And, and, you know, there's always different people like that in the industry uh, who people look back on their careers. And, and even if they didn't realize it at the time, you know, you kind of look back a number of years later and say, you know, if it wasn't for this person, maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, but while talking about those mentors, you uh, touched on the different lessons that you learned uh, through them. Maybe just talk about, uh, you know, for anyone who's uh, in, in a similar position, some of the lessons that you've learned through your time in hockey and, and something that people can uh, definitely attest to in, in the way that they uh, hopefully will learn that one day. For sure. Um, yeah, I think... Uh... I think a couple big ones um, are, you know, communication and how important it is, which I think you mentioned a bit earlier. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you could have the best ideas and the best research and analysis and like, and, and feel really high conviction about something that you're recommending. But if you aren't able to uh, communicate it in a way that the person across the table, uh, that's, you know, their language and also like per basically persuade them that it, that it is uh, that the information you're bringing is that useful and interesting, then, um, then it's worth nothing. Right. And so <clears throat> it's, uh, I, that's something I've learned a lot about. I mean, I mean, even at school, but since graduating, um, in terms of trying to distill something down and, you know, a one page report is, is usually better than a 50 page report. Uh, if you can uh, get capture the essence of something and communicate it, you know, to an executive, basically. Um, and uh, I also think, you know, this probably applies more to 
blogging or Twitter, people who are putting out work publicly, but that, um, uh, you know, the, sometimes the online world can come across as really lacking nuance, um, you know, just in different forms of communication. And um, what am I trying to say? I think because of, I think people who are putting their own work out, uh, I think I would encourage people to not, um, if they don't understand a particular decision that an NHL team is making, or sorry, not if they don't understand, but if they don't agree with it, um, it doesn't mean that team isn't doing it for a lot of good reasons, right? And, and uh, you know, I think it's good to try to take a constructive, positive, engaging approach on those types of things, like ask, like phrasing things as questions even, versus uh, this is, such and such is clearly wrong and stupid, <laughs> right? But anyways, I, I think um, maybe part of the lesson there to, to, to stop rambling is, uh, you know, the way, like communication matters and also I think how people conduct themselves that if, yeah. uh, if they, you know, you should be treating people with respect, even if you just totally disagree with their philosophies and the way they decide things. Yeah. I, I think that's a point that people should, uh, you know, pay particular attention to. And, you know, I, I'm fairly active on Twitter and, and we see it all the time. You know, there's these people who kind of just throw backlash at whatever decision may be. And, you know, while they, they obviously aren't talking directly to us and sometimes can be an NHL team, we still see that and, and other people see that. And, you know, well, I kind of take that philosophy in my own approach, maybe when there's things I don't agree with, maybe not uh, being too critical of it. And, and you never know, like, like you said, every, every decision, especially at the higher levels of hockey are made uh, collectively and through a process. So whether it's wrong or right. And a lot of times we don't see if it's wrong or right till years down the road. Uh, there was a reason for that process. And, and obviously people uh, believed in, in that uh, decision, whatever was made somewhere along the way. Um, for our final question, as I ask everyone on the podcast, uh, for anyone looking to advance in hockey operations and analytics, which is your uh, area of expertise, what is one piece of advice that you could give them? Maybe uh, one piece of advice that you'd also give yourself looking back. Yeah, um, I might have I might have a lot of different pieces of advice yes, if, if that's if that's okay. But uh, um, and I, I'll start by saying it's something I think I I don't tweet much, but I did tweet about. I really enjoyed your article, right, with uh, Jack Hahn a few uh, weeks ago. But um, like on this very topic, but um, I think that if there was one single biggest thing, I think it would be to focus on learning and. You know, developing your own skills. Um, you know, that's something everyone is doing as a as a as a person and as a professional over their whole career. And you know, it's uh, um, if you focus on that that side of it and that mindset, then each thing that you could get involved in is an opportunity to learn more and grow. And as opposed to like being in a rush uh, or to get to the finish line or to get a certain position, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, I, along the same lines, it, it's, I think it's important to be patient. Um, you know, it's not easy to get opportunities uh, in, in sports. And I feel really fortunate to be in the position I'm, I'm in right now. And, uh, you know, it's, I definitely think in the past when I was blogging, there were some times where I was uh, wishing it would go faster, right? And I didn't think, uh, I don't, um, 
I think that was the wrong mindset, right? I think maybe that had more to do with uh, not having enough time for hockey because I was work so busy with work maybe, but um, you know, those are a couple. And then, you know, I, I, a few other things maybe are put yourself out there, um, reach out to people, cold call, like just try to find ways to get exposure and learn, um, you know, learn to code. Uh, like I've, that's a, a, a journey I've been on for a few years now and, you know, it's hard and, but over time you learn a lot more and it be, things that used to be hard become easier. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think a couple last things I would add are, um, you know, first, just to say it explicitly for anyone who's interested in getting involved or who wants to chat, please feel free to reach out to me personally. Um, I, uh, I can't promise anything, but I'm always happy to try to take a call um, because that's, uh, that's what helped me get to the situation I am in today. Um, and uh, I think the last thing I would say in terms of advice is, and you, you touched on this earlier, Ryan, is that, uh, you know, it doesn't, every aspect of your life is an opportunity to learn. Um, so like, you know, I learned a lot from the business world, but even before that, when I was a student, like I ran a student painting business, which is like totally nothing to do with sports. But, uh, you know, I think that totally, uh, changed my communication skills and, and uh, learning to work with people and, uh, and manage others, et cetera. And, you know, and so in line with trying to be patient and, and, you know, build your hockey career over time, um, I think, uh, I, I think if someone, just because someone has a full-time job that's not in sports, doesn't mean that that's not helping them prepare for a potential future in sports. So um, I think I, there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that's a great final piece of advice. Uh, just don't don't be afraid to take every opportunity for what it is. And like you said, with the with the painting business, and uh, you know, I worked uh, sure early on. I did some labor jobs and uh, worked at Tim Hortons and and all these jobs, and uh, definitely not glamorous by any means, and and definitely not involved in hockey. But at the same time, you still learn communication. And, and if you're ever in a position where you're kind of coordinating, that's something that obviously uh, pays dividends down the road. And, and it just goes to show that, um, you know, every, everything that you do in life kind of adds up and, and you take things from every experience. So uh, to be successful, you got to make sure you keep working and, and work hard in everything you do. So I think that's a great way to end it off. Uh, Mike, I just want to thank you for taking time to come on the podcast today. Um, it was very interesting hearing your perspective on analytics and, and that side of hockey. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Awesome. Thanks again for having me, Ryan. All right. No problem. Take care. I'd like to thank Mike for taking some time to join me on the podcast and talk about his career. As I mentioned before, his dual perspective is unique and his situation allows him to see multiple aspects of the game. So again, I'd like to thank him for providing that perspective here today. If you would like to get in touch with Mike to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can look to make that connection for you. Looking forward on the next episode of the podcast, I will be joined by Adam Dennis, the General Manager of the North Bay Battalion. With a successful playing career and a unique transition to management with an upcoming battalion team, he touches on a number of interesting topics regarding himself and the team, so stay tuned for that release. As always, thank you for the support and for the continued interaction on all platforms. Stay safe, 
and all the best. 